turn with me to John chapter 11, the Gospel of John chapter 11. Now, in this chapter of John chapter 11, we're going to look at verses 1 through 44. In this chapter, Jesus makes a statement and he asks a question. And the statement and the question is for all of us this morning. In verses 25 through 26 of John chapter 11, he says that I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now, that word resurrection means to rise again, to bring what is dead back to life. You see, there could be no resurrection if something never had life to begin with. And there could be no resurrection if it hasn't died. And now in our text here, we're going to see that Jesus was speaking to a woman named Martha. She was a sister of a woman named Mary and a man named Lazarus. And this man, Lazarus, her brother, in our story here, we see that he is gravely ill. He's gravely ill, and ultimately, he dies from his illness. It's like, man, why does this guy want to talk about death right now at the end of the year? It's a very important lesson that we get from this. It's a beautiful story. Because even though it's a story of a man who falls ill and dies, through this death, believers in Christ are able to display their faith and devotion to Jesus at what seemed to be probably the worst time of their lives. And many of us here have lost loved ones. And when you're losing a loved one, it's the worst time of your life. It's the worst. And also, because of this man's death, Christ is able to display the resurrection power to all of those who are watching. So some good comes out of this. Now, Lazarus is raised from the dead. God resurrects him in our story. Now, raising him from the dead would be a great work of love and compassion. I mean, how many of us could say that, you know, as we have loved ones that go into eternity, that, man, it would be nice if God could save them. So think about this this motion towards this family. But even though it would grieve the family... And I think the family's grief was just so, so, so painful. But it it grieved Jesus himself also. You see, but Jesus allowed it to happen. Jesus knew that many people would be watching this family go through a very tough time. And right now you might be a family that's going through a very tough time. They say that around the holidays, it's one of the most depressing times of the year. People get very depressed. They're going through things. And family is everything during those times. But we do know that a gravely ill person attracts a lot of attention. But we have to understand that a gravely ill person attracts a lot of attention. But we have to understand that this is where God does his most effective work. You notice why? Because God has people's attention. God needs to get their attention. 
And there's something strange about people that, you know, that whole saying, right? It's a train wreck. I had to look. People have to look. Looky-loos. Remember the looky-loos? You guys know what the looky-loos are? You got to be kind of a certain age to know what a looky-loo is. (laughs) She's of age. (laughs) But the story in itself, it's a beautiful display of man's faith in God and God's love for man. You see, we can be like a Lazarus in the story this morning. And you know what? This story here has a wonderful parallel. Though we're talking about a man this morning who physically gets ill and dies and God raises him physically from the dead. Many of us can be like a Lazarus this morning that has spiritually gotten sick. And we're spiritually dying and we're spiritually suffering and we need the resurrection power of Christ in our life this morning. This is why the title of the message this morning is the resurrection power, because there's power there. And I'm afraid that many of us have not even come close to tapping into that power. You see, if we're Christians, we already know that many people are watching. If you're a believer here this morning, many people are watching you. And you know what? I think even the non-believer, I think even the person who's the looky-loo in your life sees that you're struggling in an area. And I think many times we go on living our Christian life thinking that we can hide it, thinking that they don't know. You see, this little bit of sin is hidden, but it's not. You see, your children are watching, your brothers, your sisters, your siblings, our parents our neighbors, our co-workers, every single one of these people, they're, they're watching, they're knowing, they're knowing. And you know what? There are a lot of them, even we'll see in the text today, some of them were just waiting to say, look, so much for this Christian stuff. What happened to their love? They used to be loving. And now they're not. You know, that person used to serve. And now they're not. You know, that person used to make his church attendance important and now it's not you think people don't see first of all you can't hide nothing from god he sees but believe me the surrounding world sees our neighbors see however you don't have to be a christian either to be a lazarus in this story you may be here today and you maybe you're not a christian maybe somebody brought you and you're just here like okay whatever it's the last day last service of the year you know what i'll go to that one and you're here But, you know, the Bible says that if you're living without Christ, you're already spiritually dead. And you might think you're spiritual because you look at a beautiful sunrise or a sunset and you get out there and you get all weird and fuzzy and warm. And it's like, oh, man, God, you're awesome. But you're still spiritually dead because you don't have Christ. Listen to what Ephesians 2 says, verses 1 through 10. Paul, the apostle, wrote a letter to the church. This letter is to believers. But the non-believer can get something out of this. It says in you, you, you believer, he, Christ, made alive. Look, who were dead in trespass and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, just like the others. Verse one, you were dead. 
See, the believer was dead. The believer spiritually has been resurrected to new life. And so today, if you're here and you don't know Christ, you're Lazarus today. Don't argue it with me. It's the word of God. The word of God says it, that you were once dead. But I love the rest of the of the verses here because there's good news. There's good news for all of us. It says in verse four, it says, however, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sin and trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places of Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness and his love towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith that and not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, you could be a non-believer here today and want nothing to do with Christ, but it doesn't change that he loves you. And it doesn't change that he created you and he made you and he has a work for you. You just don't know it yet. I didn't I never knew the work God had for me until I came to him. And you're never going to know. You might be saying, man, God can't use me. You don't understand what I am inside. You don't know who I am inside. Trust me. Been there. Been there. I was that guy. Maybe you're a believer here today. And there's an area in your life that needs the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I was thinking about it earlier. Here we are. It's the end of 2018. The year's, the year's closing. It's done. But it seems like January was just, uh, just a blink of an eye ago. It seemed like the year just started. You know? And I remember at the beginning of the year, and I think like many of you, what do we do? We make these promises that we're going to do things different this year. You know, the world calls them New Year's resolutions. I call them broken promises. We break our promise to ourselves. We break our promise to God and, and, and these resolutions. I, I, I don't think I've ever made it through a whole year with a certain resolution. You know, um, I don't know if I've made it. I can't say I honestly did. But, you know, at the beginning of the year, we're all excited, right? And we have a new year coming and we're all excited again. Like, okay, Lord, this is the year. Okay, last year I told you that, but this is really the year. This is the one. I was actually waiting till 2019, Lord. (laughs) To pray more fervently. To pray more frequently. To be in your word every day, God. To love the people, God, that aren't so lovable. To be in fellowship, Lord, to to make my church attendance important to me. That you would get involved. Maybe you you've been that person that, you know what, I'm going to get involved. And you know what? Next year. Well, next year's here. And I don't even want to really bring up tithing or offering a giving of our finances. Because it's not even anything to laugh about because we're scared, we're fearful. You see, the list can go on. The question is, is what area this morning? As we're going to see, what area in this morning do we need to ask the power of the Holy Spirit to bring back to life? 
We sang that song right now. Breathe, Lord. Breathe in us. Do you believe that he will? Do you believe that he wants to? Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Do you believe that? Is that another broken promise? You see, the good news for all of us this morning, I don't want to like pound on you guys and make you feel like, oh, man, I'm a loser because we are. We're just losers. But the good news this morning is that God is not. Our God is not a loser. And he loves to breathe the breath of life into his people. He loves to breathe the breath of life into a sinner. And he best demonstrates the power of the resurrection when a sinner, a lost person, comes to to Christ by faith and asks them into their heart. That is the greatest display of the power of the resurrection. I think even more than seeing a dead man raised to life. Because the, the, the spiritual man has just been born again. He's brand new. Or when, when a believer who's struggling comes to the Lord and asks for the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome that sin that he's been dealing with for years and years and years since the day he got saved. He's been struggling. But why? Because we're powerless. Because we're not tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit, which can give us the strength that we need. We're doing it in our own. I could kick that habit. I don't need you, God. But you see, people can argue against God and people can argue until they're blue in the face about the things of God. They can argue about the word of God. How many times you get into those discussions, right? What what do people say? I can't believe the word of God. Uh, It's been changed. I can't believe this. I can't believe that. I can't believe your God. I can't see him. And they have all these things that they can't believe. But you know what? They can't argue about a violent, unfaithful, drug-using alcoholic that gives his life to Christ. And those things are no more. Can't argue that. Or you can't argue when a marriage is all but dead and the two just hate each other. And the two give their lives to Christ and they commit their life to Christ. They commit their family to Christ. And they finally say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then all of a sudden that marriage is revived. It's resurrected. It's brought to life. There's, there's, there's life. There's love in that marriage. You can't argue that, non-believer. Now, I don't know if there's any marriages in that place right now. Maybe there are some sick marriages this morning. Maybe that is an area that you need the power of the resurrection in your life. It could be your marriage. You probably got a clue that I was speaking about myself. When I was speaking about the marriage and that guy. And let me tell you, when we give Christ the opportunity, he can resurrect anything. If he could fix my marriage, trust me, he can fix any marriage. But it takes, it takes faith. We've got to have faith. 
And so in our story here, what we're going to see is just that. And we're going to read through the entire story. And then we're going to go back and look at how can we apply this to our spiritual walk this morning. So let's look at John chapter 11, verse 1. We're going to read through to verse 44. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, look, Lord, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness isn't unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed there two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. But the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews had sought to stone you. And are you going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then the disciples said, Lord, well, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said plainly to them, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. Why? That you may believe. Nevertheless, let's go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. That guy was dramatic. They weren't going to go to die. Christ knew it. So when he came, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Then Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who has come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way secretly and called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, they followed her saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was 
and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and he was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could this man, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench for it has been he has been dead four days. And Jesus said under, did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? Then she took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with the cloth. And then Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. It's evident through these scriptures that Jesus loved this family. In these few verses here, we see that it's mentioned three times in the chapter how Jesus loved them. Jesus loved them. And so we could learn some really important lessons in this story. You see, first of all, what we learn is no matter what our relationship with God is, that none of us are immune to the heartache and to the pain and to the suffering that this life brings us. In verses 3, in verses 5, in verses 36, speaks about how Jesus loved them. Secondly, we learn that in verse 6, that God's timing is not our timing. Verse 6 said, though when Jesus heard that his friend was sick, he stayed two more days. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go. And did you see the reaction that the sisters had? Both of them, the same reaction when Jesus finally arrived. What did they say? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The same exact response. Timing, God's timing and our timing. You see, if Jesus would have came and healed him from being sick, he couldn't have done the greater miracle that he was about to do. And many times we do that. We, we, we say, Lord, Lord. But God's saying, whoa, man, I got a better one. We're like, God, just fix this. And he's like, no, I don't want to fix that because this is going to cause me to fix something even greater. Why? So that people would believe. Thirdly, we see that everything that God allows in our lives is to glorify him. Why? So that people would believe. Remember the, the, the reaction when Jesus told his disciples, his disciples said, oh, he just needs the rest. He's, he needs to sleep. He'll get well. 
And Jesus told him, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. Why? That you may believe. Sounds pretty crazy. But there's a greater cause. You see Romans 8.28, right? It's a very familiar scripture. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. It's hard to understand, and it was hard to understand for Mary and Martha that Lazarus being sick and dying was, had a purpose. We don't understand. That doesn't make sense. But it doesn't have to. God's in control. He's sovereign. Fourthly, we can also learn the biblical view of Jesus that Martha had. Because Jesus asked her, when he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Speaking spiritually. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Her perspective was great. She said, yes, Lord. Yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has to come into the world. We need to have the right biblical view of Jesus and who he is. Next, we see the compassion that Jesus had for the family. You see, the Bible says that he was grieved and that he groaned in the spirit. Now, can we really believe that he grieved and groaned in the spirit because Lazarus, because he had died? No, Jesus knew he would be resurrected. Jesus knew he would perform this miracle. So why? Why would Jesus, why would he, why would he groan in the spirit? Why? Because he saw the family in mourning. The family was in great pain. It says that when he saw them coming and those that came to mourn with her, when he saw them, he groaned in the spirit. Don't think that God doesn't care about you, about your struggles this morning, that he's too busy to worry about your struggles. If you're struggling, trust me, it grieves the spirit of God. It grieves him more than we can even know. And he's always there and he's always listening and he's always waiting for your cry for help. But I think the most important lesson that we learn in this story is that we have our part in the matter. You see, Jesus asked the family to do something that didn't make much sense. But it would show their faith in Jesus. You see, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. And they, they stuck him in the tomb and they, they covered it up. It was done. Funeral's over. But Jesus comes and he asks them to remove the stone which lay against the tomb and seal it off. How did that make sense? You see, he was already laid to rest. And just by her response alone, there's a stench. He's been dead. Why would you make me move this stone out of the way? It doesn't make humanly sense. I can't even imagine. It's like rubbing salt on the wound, right? Insult to injury. It was bad enough that the family had already felt let down. 
And the family felt let down. And we see that in their response when they saw Jesus. They said, Lord, if you had been here sooner, my brother would not have died. They were let down. So they thought. And now you're asking us, Jesus, to do something totally ridiculous. You're asking us to come and and to move this stone away. Haven't we been through enough, God? Why? And you know, those looky-loos that we talked about, those that were looking in verse 37, some of them said, well, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this man from dying? Where is your Christ now? What a disappointment. I'm sure when those sisters, when they sent for Jesus because Lazarus fell sick, I'm sure there were those that laughed. I'm sure there were those that said, what's he going to do? He's not a doctor. You need a doctor. What are you calling on Jesus for? What's he going to do? And that they would mock them. And not only that, and when he didn't show up immediately, I could imagine how much more they even mocked. I know, and, and in my mind's eye, I'm picturing Lazarus sick, lying in bed. Asking his sisters, did you call Jesus? Yes, he's coming. Why? Because he loves you. And I could imagine those sisters running out outside of the, the, the home where he was and, and just watching and looking and waiting to see down that, that road, that pathway, whatever it was that would lead Jesus to them and just waiting and waiting. How many times do we feel that way? Well, we call on the Lord. We need you now. And we're waiting and waiting. And you know what? He doesn't show up. He doesn't show up. He doesn't show up and, this, and, and Lazarus dies. And many can look around and say, see, See, your God, where is your God now? Your God doesn't care. And when Jesus finally came, Martha is reluctant to do what Jesus asked her to do. And this is what Jesus is asking every one of us to do this morning. Here here it is, guys. This is the message. Jesus asked her to move that stone out of the way so he can do his miracle. And she's reluctant, but he said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Despite what seemed to be totally ridiculous, she believed and trusted Jesus. And she had the stone taken out of the way. Now Jesus could perform the miracle. And my question to you this morning is, what have you laid to rest? What have you left for dead in your walk? Is it your reading the word of God? Do you come and just get spoon fed by your pastor every week? Well, my devotional life's not important. Is it your worship of God? Is, is, is worship not important? To come and give God what he deserves? What have you laid behind that stone? Is it your marriage? Is it, is it a relationship? You know, uh, is, is it a relationship between you and your parents? Or you and your children? What is it? What have we left for dead? 
And I believe that all of us, all of us have a stone that's covering. And Jesus is saying this morning, I need you to set it aside because I want to do a greater miracle. I don't believe that a stone would have stopped Jesus from raising Lazarus from the dead. I don't believe that stone was stopping Jesus from doing anything. Because he had the power to bring an angel down from heaven and he could have flung that rock so far. He could have brought lightning down from heaven. He could have brought an earthquake. He could have shattered that rock into it being sand. But what would be more powerful is somebody faithfully stepping out by faith and moving that stone themselves. What a picture of your heart this morning. And there's something in there that you're holding back from God. There's something in there you're hanging on to. But you know, the Bible says that Jesus is a perfect gentleman. It says that he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. He's not going to send a lightning bolt to hit you in the heart. He's not going to do anything like that. He's going to knock. He's going to ask you that you would roll away that stone. What is it that you've left for dead? Is it your prayer life? You know, maybe last year, you, at the beginning of the year, maybe you were all stoked about, yeah, man, this year I'm going to go to the prayer meetings. I'm going to start fasting. I'm going to start doing all these things in my prayer life. And today we're right where we started. What about the word of God? Are you reading every day systematically going through the word of God? Or have you given left that for dead also? What about your service to God? Is that left for dead? Maybe maybe at one time you served the Lord. And now you're not serving anymore. And like I mentioned earlier, what about your relationships? Is there a relationship that is entombed right now? And that big stone that's in front of it says pride. It says pride. I'm not going to call that person. Why would I call that person? All they're going to do is nag and do this and do that and tell me this and that, right? I don't want to hear it. Pride. That's pride. Or maybe it's fear. Maybe that stone in front of that grave just is a giant fear. You know what? I, I, I can't give God of my finances. I can't give God of my time. I don't have it. I'm afraid to. Whatever it is. Maybe it's the relationship with your kids. But if we're honest with ourselves, I believe that everybody here can honestly say there's an area in our walk with God that needs the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? That's the big question. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ. The Bible says that you're spiritually dead. The Bible says that what is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. You see, flesh can only reproduce flesh. You see, my wife and I can only have children. But God breathes in life to the spiritual man. 
And he produces the spiritual man. We can't do it without him. And it blows my mind that I think that many times I think about my life. I think about my marriage. I think about my relationship with my kids. Think about everything in my life. Everything. What I do with my finances. Everything. Everything people are watching. And you know what? I want to represent God well. Because I want people to know that Christ is powerful and that he can change things. And that if you're struggling and if you're going through something right now, that not all is lost. You're still breathing. And if we're still breathing, man, God says, you have another chance. He says, now let me breathe into you. But you see, God's not going to do it as long as we have that tomb. And I imagine my heart. Imagine your heart for a moment. And your heart is that tomb. And you're blocking God. You're saying, no, Lord. No, you can't have this. And God's saying, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Maybe that phone call, maybe that relationship, maybe it's not going to be as bad as you think. But God's saying, do it. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but do it. Maybe you're saying, Lord, I don't have time to come to prayer, uh, prayer meetings. I don't have time to come to church every time. You know what? Try it. See if God doesn't open new doors. Well, God, I'm afraid of, of serving. I don't know if I want to serve. I, I, you know, I, do it. God's saying do it. And then let me show you. You step out in faith and I'll show you the power of the resurrection in your life. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. God wants to resurrect our marriage He wants to resurrect our walks, our lives into a model so that they who are spiritually dead can know the way. And that's the story. That's the bottom line. The bottom line is this family by faith was able to display the glory of God because of their faith. Think about it. If she would have never listened, if she would have never rolled away that stone, And she said, no, Jesus, we're good. He's dead. It's done. Then we would have never seen him raised from the dead. And today, if that's your attitude, no, God, you know what? You're never going to do it yourself. You need him to do it. We need him to do it. And if you don't know Christ. Trust me. You're going to have a very frustrating time. See, being spiritual isn't just looking, like I said, at a, at, a, at a horizon, at a sunrise, at the beautiful mountains. The reason those things are so amazing to you is because God created them. That's why they're so amazing. But spiritually speaking, we need him. We need him to breathe life into us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, God, for your love and your grace, Lord. And God, we thank you for the power that that you make available for every single person here, Lord. God, believer, non-believer, whoever, Lord. You want so bad to pour out your spirit upon everyone, Lord. 
But Father, like I said, Lord, you're a gentleman about it, Lord, and you're not going to barge your way into anybody's life, Lord. God, you're not going to barge your way into the hearts of any man who's harboring something, Lord. And Father, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit this morning, God, that chains would be broken, Lord. That, Father, the stones would be broken and and swept away, God, that you may enter in, Lord, and do your work. And we know, God, that you want to do a work in us. A supernatural work, Lord. God, a work that we can't do ourselves. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here, Lord, and I find it really hard to believe, Lord, that there's not anyone here that's struggling, God, and that they just need to make things right with you, Lord. And they need to say, yes, Lord, I humbly come, Father. I come to you, Lord, by faith. And I ask you, God, that you would fix, Lord, what I've left for dead. And as the worship team spends these next few minutes in a time of worship, as we, as we worship our Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here, even maybe you have accepted Christ, but you feel so spiritually dead that you need your life resurrected. And those, if you've never received Christ, And you don't want to start the next year coming the same way this one ended. Empty, looking, searching. I pray as we worship that you would step forward by faith. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous. Just like what Martha had to do. Something ridiculous. And that you would come forward and meet us. Meet me up here in front of the steps here and. When we're done worshiping, I'll come down and I just want to lead you in a prayer. A prayer of faith. Asking Christ to come into your heart and to breathe life into you spiritually. That we don't leave here the same way that we walked in this morning. So as we worship, and you need that, you come forward at any time.